you're super clear with expectation. You want to do this when motivation is peaking, which usually the first week. So we divide our own morning into three modules. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right. Hello and welcome, Martin Linder. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much. Good to have you on board. And let's set the scene uh, immediately. So which role do you have at uh, what company? So I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Jobilon. Mm. And uh, give us the elevator pitch. What is Jobilon? What kind of problems do you solve? Sure. So, so Jobilon is a so-called applicant tracking system or an ATS, so a recruitment platform. And we help predominantly large organizations succeed with their, their talent acquisition. Um, I would say there are three main things that makes Jobilon stand out from the competition. Number one, we built the platform from day one with flexibility in mind. So we can really tailor make in an easy way the implementation to suit Companies like McDonald's on the one end and Capgemini or Handelsbanken or Tele2 on the other end. Wow. Uh, number two, we're obsessed with the candidate experience. So we have an in-house team of employer branding experts and job ad marketing experts. And we work very closely with our customers to, to attract the right type of talent and also things like passive candidates that many TA teams out there don't have an understanding around. We can help them really uh, attract those types of candidates. Last but not least, and this can sound a little bit like a cliche coming from, from a head of sales, right? Mm. But you really see each um, customer relationship as a partnership. And we work very closely with our customers. We invest a lot in customer success and customer service. Things like quarterly business reviews, where we benchmark their data against industry averages, mm. come with best nice. practice suggestions, and really look at sort of the bottlenecks and how they can improve. Yeah. Awesome. Long um, elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah but... that's uh, that's the gist of it. Nice, that's good. And uh, we are using Jobilon, and uh, I, for one, uh, love it. So uh, uh, there you have it. <laughs> nice. And uh, to set the scene for the listeners that don't know like the context, uh, can you say some uh, short and uh, sweet answers to like ARR, headcount, when were you founded, markets, and so on? Sure. So Jobland has been around for more than 10 years, uh, but as an ATS that we are today, around seven years right now, mm. uh, about 50 million Swedish kroner in ARR, uh, average deal size or average ARR rather around 150,000 sek, mm. 50 plus people and growing fast. Mm. And you said the, a bit the, like upmarket and average deal size. What's the sales cycle? How complex is it to sell Jobland? It, it depends, obviously, but I would say on average around three months. But then with the bigger clients that, that are quite significantly bigger than our average deal size up towards a year in some cases, if yeah. it's a longer RFP process and so on. Yeah. And I assume uh, ICP is like HR department. 
so yeah, HR or, or, or TA department and definitely, I would say two use cases, either organizations with 500 plus employees or smaller organizations, but a, a TA team that's expected to deliver a high volume of hires would be quite industry agnostic, but that would be our ICT. Hmm. Cool. Some context for, for the people listening and more about you. Uh, can you uh, mention why you are staying at uh, Jobbilon? Oh, great question. Uh, definitely the, the culture and, and the people. Mm. So I joined Jobelon coming from, from another company where I was super happy and wasn't really planning on leaving. But the thing that attracted me to the role was very good growth numbers, very high customer satisfaction, very good retention numbers, but they had done absolutely nothing when it comes to proactive sales and marketing. So that started getting a bit of an itch inside of me, <laughs> but staying definitely because I think Job Alone has a culture that is second to none, at least what I've experienced in my life. Mm. And uh, can you please elaborate a bit on the culture? What, what are you doing that's, uh, that's so good? You, you mentioned that uh, the team now is in Portugal. That's true. So, so we have a lot of remote colleagues from, from all over the world, really. So once per year, we do a, a so-called vacation where everyone meets for a week somewhere around the world. A year ago, we were in South Africa. Now everyone except me, because I'm expecting a kid soon. So unfortunately, I'm Congrats. back here in, in Sweden, um, in Portugal, just working together workshops. But it's, it's a core part in making sure that also our remote colleagues get to spend quality time with with the whole team. Hmm. But I think the, the foundation of the culture has always been happiness. And, you know, the, the idea since day one really is if people are happy, they will also perform better in their roles and they will stay with the company. Oh. So there's a lot of initiatives tied to that to make sure that we, we also live by our values. Hmm. Did you manage to to uh, live the the feeling of that the scratch that you felt that uh, sales and marketing were uh, were not really happening? I mean, we're, we're definitely getting there. I think we're um, seeing fantastic improvements in types of uh, the size of the companies we meet with, how we generate leads, the new markets that we approach, but we're, we're just scratching the top of the iceberg, really. So uh, lots of hard work ahead. But yeah, I would say yes, if I have to give a short answer. Yeah. And uh, on, on your like career as well, talking about Jobbelon and where you're staying, uh, what would you say in terms of your career has been previous experiences that has helped you within SAS? Anything that you've done prior to Jobbelon that you consider as a strength in your like SAS role now? I think two things. Uh, I, I spent quite a number of years at Cognity. Mm-hmm. Uh, came in when we were around 10 people or so and, and, and stayed with them uh, until they were 100 plus employees uh, about five years later. Um, key part in really building their whole commercial organization, sales in over 50 countries around the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, lots of landmines that we stepped on. Uh, we got burned mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, which you learn a lot from, but obviously uh, quite a few successes along the way as well. Yeah. Um, but I also think having spent a, a, a chunk of my career outside of SAS in more, I, I work with companies that produce brake test systems for the car industry and biodegradable plastics, um, brings a little bit of a different perspective into the, the commercial leadership role as well. Yeah. Can you mention some of the perspectives that you've like contributed with some examples or, or what, because I can imagine, as you say, a lot of people within SAS have one like way of viewing things. Uh, can you give some examples? 
I think at least I try to be a little bit uh, a voice of reason um, in, in SaaS companies, especially early on. Um, there t- tends, in my experience, to be an overbelief in how quickly you can conquer the world. Um, and you set these ludicrous revenue targets and you're going to hire 100 people and yeah. uh, more times than others that just ends in you burning a lot of capital and having to go back to the drawing board and, and letting go of a lot of people. And, and yeah, so... I think just uh, being a little bit more grounded and, and challenging those types of, of hypes early on is, is definitely a perspective perhaps mm-hmm. that I bring. Yeah, that's good. And I, I can imagine that uh, it's good to have one of those people in the room when setting the targets, uh, the one tapping on the shoulder, like, is it realistic? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And uh, I want to talk a bit about, uh, you talked about culture and I want to tap into that uh, onboarding, hiring. I mean, you, for one, working with like helping companies hire. Uh, can you tell me a bit about your recruitment process for, for salespeople and what, like how do you live what you sell? Absolutely. So uh, obviously we spend quite a bit of time even prior to recruitment, working with our employer brand and also uh, really trying to focus more on competence than previous experience. It's difficult, but it's when you succeed with it, um, that's when you get the people that deliver results are great culture fits and, and want to stay with the company, right? Yeah. So I think we um, have a head of people, Karen, who's extremely involved in everything we do. Hiring managers are also highly involved. Um, a, a C-level will always interview everyone we hire and make sure that there's a team of people that evaluate. And the number one reason we reject candidates is culture fit, actually. We mm. tend to get very, very high caliber people in the early stages, but not everyone is, is a good fit for the company. Mm. Interesting. How do you uh, test the culture, so to say? How do you break that down? It's it's very difficult, but I think just spending time with the candidates is is it, it sounds a bit silly, but but it is important, you know. Like when you're not asking direct questions and having them do a case study, etc. But everything in around, how do they communicate in between interviews? What's the feeling when you meet with them? We try to even with remote colleagues also meet at least once in person go out for a lunch, go out for a dinner and and trying to a little bit get to know them to, to get a feel for the culture fit. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And the only, the only, the only um, backdrop with that is that when you have to reject someone, you, you cannot really like, or I guess you can be honest and say that you're a bad cultural fit, but that's not like as good of a reason perhaps for the candidate saying that you're underqualified or your salary is, is too high and so on. Uh, have you figured out a way in how to <laughs> how to reject people with the with the culture in mind? I mean, rejection is always difficult, and this is something we coach our customers on a lot as well. Because you need to do it in a way that it doesn't hurt your employer brand, right? Yeah. But I think honesty is very important, and it's rare for us that it's a, a very bad culture fit. More that perhaps someone else is a better fit. So more yeah. talking about why another candidate was a stronger fit than why this candidate was was a bad fit i think is is one of the keys to do that Mm. yeah and sales let's talk about that because as um, in your role i can imagine that you've uh, hired salespeople 
Um, how do you stress test the the salespeople within your recruitment process? Do you have some sort of case? Do you have a lot of, as you said, meets where you get to know the person behind the the sales rep? Uh, how do you uh, how do you get them in? Uh, we always do a case. Okay. Other than that, it depends a little bit on the role. But the case is typically a combination of a uh, meeting booking sequence. Ideally, we do that live. So we give, you know, we try to get them to book a real actual meeting for Jobelon. Okay. Uh, and a, a role play sales meeting where we uh, run a meeting. We give pretty stern feedback if we need to. We give them some time to adapt to that and see how they respond to the feedback and if they have the ability to adjust in, in, in quite a short manner of time. Yeah. Um, for other candidates, depending on seniority, we've even brought them to actual meetings and had them run part of it. And, and it, it depends a little bit on, on the role we're trying to fill. Yeah. And do you let the, 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 the candidate uh, demo your product to you or is it more like a case in terms of objection handling, talking and, and so on? always our product and, yep. and they get some materials to prepare for that we have done cases though where uh, we believe in the candidate but they really tank demoing jobilon and then we tell them demo whatever you're selling now instead mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's more about you know they they perhaps fail to prepare or they're very nervous but when you're giving something they're more confident with they, they start to shine and, and that's a good little hack to mm-hmm. really test the candidate yeah yeah, that's a good fallback because, as you say, they, they might not have the time or it's a life puzzle in between. And then, the, like, in order to get to the minimum level of a good demo, you have to sink in a couple of hours at least. Uh, so then that could be a good uh, good fallback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when the sales rep, now we're just going to talk the whole application journey here, but uh, when you've gotten the, the person in, uh, maybe a sales rep or, or someone else, uh, how do you work with onboarding and like the ramp up? Because as far as I know, that's not really the part of your product that you sell, right? It's more the, the application tracking system itself. Uh, correct. So onboarding tends to, to happen sort of in an HR system, uh, although mm. we have some pre-boarding stuff in the platform. But I think onboarding is, as, as most people know, very, very crucial to, to the success of, uh, of a new colleague. Uh, one thing we do... Uh, early because you want to do this when motivation is peaking which usually the first week it's rare to see sales reps more motivated than when when they're starting a new job and want to show everyone who's boss right um we're super clear with expectations so we divide our onboarding into three modules one is sort of life at jobilon and everything you need to know to function as an employee second one is around the platform and and the value proposition and the third one is around the market and the competitors and and so on um each of these modules have very clear um, KPIs that need to be reached at certain dates for probation period to be considered a a success. Um, And towards the later parts of this, this is obviously things like meeting targets, sales targets, et cetera. But earlier on, it's it's different KPIs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And uh, do you have a like a percentage that you have to reach up to or, or a deadline in how to measure that, yeah, you're on track or no, you're underperforming or you can like get done with this module, move on to the next one? How do you work with that? So so great question. So all three modules take part in, in parallel. So it's not like module one and then you move to. It's more how we've divided uh, or, or structured the onboarding. Yeah. Um, so um, 
ideally you will take all uh, i think it's 23 boxes um but of course if we have a sales rep that's very close to meeting their probation period revenue target and has excelled at other areas that's definitely going to be good enough it's more as a, a measuring stock than an absolute binary thing mm. and would you consider the like onboarding done when as you said the majority is checked off or do you have a separate metric tracking the like ramp up when the sales rep actually hits quota definitely and <clears throat> the onboarding uh, program actually runs for six months so the whole probation period uh, the, the onboarding program runs mm-hmm. um, but yeah we track a lot of things in in sales um, so um, definitely and that doesn't stop just because you're through probation yeah I always have my eye on you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And I think that's a common mistake also that we have a like very intense onboarding and then you're done. Then it's like yeah. fly, little bird, fly. But as you said, maybe it's good to actually keep it going, not for, for only like one month or three or six, uh, but actually a longer time frame. Definitely. And talking about metrics, you said that you measure a lot of stuff. Can you say some of the most important metrics that you are following up on and why it is so important for you guys? I mean, in one way, I think we do pretty basic stuff. We have a number of activity metrics. We look at conversion rates through the funnel, uh, average deal sizes and so on. What maybe we do a little bit different than some is we're, we're much more focused on outcome KPIs versus output KPIs. So demo meeting that leads to an opportunity is much more relevant to us than number of demo meetings booked, for instance. Um, We also split everything by lead source because we know that certain partnership lead sources are three times more likely to convert. So uh, I I would say uh, there are no unique KPIs we measure, but we slice the data perhaps a bit differently than than many companies do. Uh, that's interesting, digging a bit more into the, the output rather than just looking at the, the surface. Mm. And if you have to decide one favorite metric for you in, in the sales leader role, wh- which one is that? One only definitely uh, opportunity win rate. Mm. Nice. And uh, talking a bit about the uh, like characteristics of sales and, and uh, as we've talked about onboarding them and, and finding the right people, uh, can you share some of your best practice advice, perhaps what you've seen in terms of sale that is succeeding and what characteristics that is not really working out? Like, what do you look for uh, in, a, in a sales rep in terms of hiring, onboarding and to hit quota? So it depends a little bit on... Uh the type of role and the seniority and so on. A meeting booker is different to to a sort of senior enterprise account executive. But I think a combination of grit, uh, it doesn't matter how senior you are, you still need to have that oomph to be successful in sales. I think the the person with the highest drive in our team is also the oldest person uh, currently running our our Benelux sales operations. Um, And for us, really the ability to work with multiple, uh, often quite senior stakeholders at the same time and understanding how do I speak to a CFO as opposed to a head of HR? What buttons do I push? What what challenges do they face in their day-to-day? Those two in combination makes a killer sales rep at Jovenel. And um, 
as you said, the, the personas they're juggling. Would you say that you're in the enterprise or mid-market segment? Or maybe? I would say enterprise. Yeah. So, so then I can imagine, as you say, there's at least perhaps three plus stakeholders that you have to juggle in those type of yeah. sales processes. Definitely. Mm. Some, often more than that, but, but three, maybe more key stakeholders yeah. uh, for sure. Mm. And uh, would you say that this is something that can be taught or is it either you have it or you don't have it in terms of the, the grit and uh, yeah, working with stakeholders? I think working with stakeholders definitely can be taught. I think quite few reps have it early on in, in their sales careers. Uh, grit is more difficult, I think, <laughs> to, to teach. Mm. Um, you either have it or you don't. Mm. Yeah. And how do you teach the multiple stakeholder management of doing things? Do you have any, any advice or, or do you get do work a lot with like tag-alongs to meetings? How do you teach that? Exactly. So I think... Uh, a sort of two-pronged approach there, but tagging along to meetings, nothing can beat that, you know, going with someone that really knows what they're doing and having more junior reps just as a sponge, soaking up all, all of that. Um, but we do a lot of workshops. We spend a lot of time working together, for instance, with marketing and, and customer success, dissecting who are these people, you know, uh, how do we communicate with them? How are they different in terms of, of uh, that how we communicate a value proposition, for instance. Um, so a, a combination of just speaking to each other within the teams and having reps tag along to, to meetings. Mm. It's very rare that we're fewer than two people in, in a sales meeting. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. They have uh, goals on that as well for, for each uh, rep to like do a tag along minimum X amount of times, for example. Uh, during the, the first six months of onboarding, absolutely. Yeah. So those are, are part of, of the KPIs that we track. After that, not so much, but it's really deeply rooted in the culture that mm. the second one of my reps book a, especially if it's a bit of a larger case, it's a few seconds until I get a Slack asking if, if I want to tag along or, or, you know, someone else on the team. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Uh, let's uh, park the uh, discussion a bit and move into a segment, uh, segment called the quick ones. So uh, we're going to shoot some uh, quick questions and I want some quick answers. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Nice. Uh, favorite tool in your revenue tech stack? HubSpot. Hmm? Yeah, I'll allow it. I don't like the answer, but it's all right. <laughs> uh, best. Right, uh... Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, best uh, sales uh, tips? Wow. Um, be like a elephant, big ear, small mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And uh, do you uh, follow a person that really inspires you, uh, LinkedIn CEO or something? I, not maybe super famous, but two people that come to mind is a former leader of mine, Sebastian Sheriff, who now is the chief commercial officer at a company called Simple Bull, but also an angel investor and, and one of the most brilliant persons I worked with. Mm -hmm. On top of that, uh, Helene Agering, who's also a, a mentor and someone I really look up to. Mm. Nice. Uh, Back in the day, predictable revenue was my Bible, but but it's getting a bit obsolete. Uh, cool. That's good. Uh, good advice. And uh, one thing you use uh, ChatGPT for? Email correspondence. Mm. I use it many, many, many times per day. I don't know what to pick, yeah. but uh, yeah, I use ChatGPT a lot. 
Simple as that. Cool. And uh, if I were to ask your team, what uh, question does Martin ask the most? What would they say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm very picky about qualification. So it will be, you know, one of the the medics or the qualifying metrics, depending on what what they didn't really brief me on from from the meeting. Mm -hmm. And uh, now a side route here. Do you work with like the medic as a methodology in your sales process, or what? Uh, what do you follow? So, so we we talk a lot about medic in terms of structuring how we uh, work with prospects in HubSpot. We have a band pre-filled spreadsheet that they that they filled out. Yeah. So, so a bit of both. Nice. <clears throat> and working in sales, would you say leaving a voicemail or not do it? Don't do it. Why? I think a year ago I would have said differently. Um, I think some channels are getting very spammy at the moment, and the risk of annoying a prospect is getting uh, is bigger now than than it was some time ago. If you already have established contact, definitely leave a voicemail. But if you're reaching out cold, no, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Follow up with an email saying I tried to reach you or a LinkedIn message. Makes sense. And the uh, best uh, outreach method to uh, reach out to you? Definitely not phone or LinkedIn. Uh, I would say either email or be creative. Um, I remember Gong once sent me an actual Gong for the sales team to use really? one deals, and, and they got the call back. That's good. Yeah. Are you using it now when you close deals? So it's the old company still has it in uh, the office. I, I didn't bring it with me. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Then uh, I guess you would have been unpopular when when leaving if bringing the gong with you. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, wrap up the uh, quick ones uh, segment. You did. Uh, you did well. Thank you. And moving on to a bit of uh, leadership and management. Uh, do you work with? Uh, one-on-ones in your team I can imagine like focusing a lot on culture that could be an important way for you to like live it out how do you work with leadership in a good way definitely one-on-ones given that a big part of the team is remote we also do a lot of shorter group meetings some of them are are more work centric like pipeline reviews Uh, every Monday morning we meet early you set your free objectives for the week and then you follow up on Friday but we also have every day a 15-minute virtual coffee with the sales team uh, where uh, you are not allowed to, to talk about work. Um, but definitely one-on-ones. Uh, it's it's uh, important for us. Mm. And the, the virtual coffee, not, no work talk. Is it like a compulsory thing that you have to show up to? And, and... No, no, completely, mandatory, uh, completely not mandatory. Yeah. But uh, most people, unless they have a customer meter or something, tend to show up. Mm. I'm probably the worst at it, though. Oh, okay. But you, you don't show up talking about work, at least? No. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, and, and the, more on the one-on-one topic. Um, how many sales reps are reporting to you at the moment, or, or like uh, leaders? So I have uh, the, the Nordic sales leader. I have uh, essentially the country managers report to me, mm-hmm. and then the sales reps in each region report to the country managers, in short. Yeah. And the, I can imagine the, the country managers, you hear something and then you want to like distribute that knowledge to, to another country. How do you work with knowledge sharing among the one-on-ones yet keeping it like individual? 
So I think we're still quite a small team and we work super closely together. So the people working the different regions are still on daily or, or several times a week calls. Um, we have new business strategy meetings where all the country managers as well as marketing and partnerships mm. are involved. So, um, and they are also all of them quite good friends by now. So, so it's not, it comes very natural to us. And uh, we never went into that, but which markets exactly are you into at the moment? So Sweden is definitely our our main market and our sort of cash cow market. Um, we are ramping up quickly in Norway and Finland yeah. with you know local teams, boots on the ground. Um, and since before the summer, we also have staff and are working hard in the Netherlands and the Benelux region. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned boots on the ground, and I can imagine that's like a more enterprise way of doing it. Have you felt any learnings or, or failures in terms of what worked and what didn't? Or is it a bit too early to evaluate? Can you share something about that? In terms of new markets, you mean? Yes. Um, I think entering a new market, you have to have a lot of respect that... You have close to zero brand awareness and you need even more senior people with a network, with market experience. It, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. You can have the best sales rep in the world that doesn't know the industry and he will fail nine times out of ten in my experience. Oh. And then how, how do you tap into that local knowledge or, or how do you learn? So I think... Uh, Early on, doing industry events, uh, going to gatherings where a lot of people from our industry are and, and just being very open about that we're entering this market and we want to learn. We hired our um, country manager for Netherlands. He was a keynote speaker at an event we went to. We went out for a beer. One thing led to another, and now he's uh, nice. killing it for us in, in the Netherlands. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then, then uh, obviously, you know that uh, the hire is a good speaker, at least. Exactly. Awesome. Shifting focus. I want to talk a bit about work-life balance. You mentioned you have a kid on the way and uh, like uh, a lot of different uh, career experiences uh, previous to SAS. Talking about good culture as well at Jobilon. What do you do, your team or Jobilon as a whole do in terms of like promoting a good work-life balance? So I think we like to, or at least I like to talk more about work-life harmony because balance sort of indicates that there's an equal weight on both sides of the scale for it to be balanced right mm. so i think finding a setup or a structure that really works for you uh, is the key so in my case i tend to come into the office if i go in a little bit later in the day skip rush hour hack out a few hours in the morning from home um, go back a bit earlier, spend some time with my wife, and then work in the evenings. Uh, not saying that setup is for everyone, but if I map it out, I definitely work a lot more than eight hours a day on average. But it doesn't feel like it, the way I've sort of structured my workday and how I do things. And I think giving people the autonomy and the freedom to design how they want to work, obviously, as long as they, they show up to customer meetings and whatnot, is, is one key that we work a lot with, yeah. you know, because it's very individual what, what works for people. Also, I think having respect for the fact that you have periods when you're highly motivated and, and work like hell and really enjoy it. 
but that also comes at the back of you need more chill periods when you're not as motivated and and that needs to be fine or people will definitely uh, not be happy and potentially burn out down the line mm. and is that something that you uh, <clears throat> i mean always talking about this it's easier to say than to do right uh, how do you understand when you are in one of those like rush cycles when you have to focus a lot on work and maybe deadlines and i can imagine like budgets being set a lot of customers coming in and then how do you find that harmony not balance then in terms of uh, when there's going to be a chill uh, chill period are you open about that with the team or do you talk a lot about the cycles how do you how do you do it i think at job alone we have quarters that are always much more intense and quarters that are a little bit more laid back and ideally you you can follow those cycles also in in how you work yourself um but we talk a lot about it again the importance of one-on-ones it's not just to talk about business but really getting a temperature check of how people are doing and and i think key responsibility as a manager is more uh, you know the well-being of the person than than micromanaging what they do on a day-to-day basis mm. yeah makes a lot of sense and um, i think one thing that i've learned when when working within sales and sauce is that july is kind of dead <laughs> yep. so take the take the vacation in july to basically maximize when the customers are calm you can be calm and then you focus on the other ones as well uh, is that something that you're you're sharing as well definitely um so july is very quiet for us q2 in general tends to be i mean not like july but it tends to be a quiet quarter so mm. we try to always schedule a team get together then and and you know do more fun and uh planning type activities whereas q4 is always mayhem yeah <laughs> always mayhem yeah <laughs> that's uh Ah, it's 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 good because then you can get the good commissions as well, right? Definitely. Mm. I want to wrap up a bit and uh, put some last questions in. Um, you talked a bit about like inspiring people. Uh, I still want to ask you: Do you have any advice on people for for you to recommend me to bring on the podcast? Revenue sauce leaders. Would you say that Sebastian and Helena are, are qualified for that, or do you want to give any other names? Definitely those two. If you can get them on, they will have uh, amazing insights to share. Um, yeah. Have to recommend our very own Elina Bergström, our VPCS, but very revenue driven, although uh, she is a customer success leader. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Dedring at Cognity, general manager, experience from both sales, all sides of, of revenue generation really in SaaS. Yeah. Um, awesome those come to mind uh yeah thanks i'll add uh, all four to the pipeline <laughs> uh nice i'm uh, gonna wrap up a bit with my main uh, takeaways um one thing that i'm uh, gonna bring with me is definitely to uh, uh understand the the uh, stress level of the candidate that you're hiring so if you want to focus on your own product or let them do a fallback demo of their own to basically like get the person into the into the application process. Uh, another one is definitely the uh, modules of onboarding and to put it during the whole probation period and to also work a lot with uh, uh, with tagalongs during that uh, that time. 
And last but not least, in terms of looking for, for salespeople, two things to look out for. One can be taught, one cannot. Uh, so uh, try to, to look for the grit and also to teach the multiple stakeholder management stuff. Uh, and last follow-up question on that topic. How would you say that you look for grit? You just feel it in an interview. Uh, so if, if you have a short conversation with someone, it can be difficult. But if you go through a full uh, recruitment process, um, you know, you feel it, how they communicate, how they do the case, how quickly they respond to you when you reach out to them. And it's just it's a feeling you build up over time. And, and uh, gut feeling can often be wrong. But when it comes to grit, it very rarely is. Mm. Nice. That's a good, uh, good words to end with. Uh, Martin, thank you very much for, for joining me and sharing your insights and uh, how you do things at uh, Jobilon. And I wish uh, you and your team all the best going forward. Thank you so much, Max. Take care. Bye. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call close. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I want to witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I want to witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the Phone. Gotta hit the phone. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phone. Gotta hit the phone.